reason, the reason I, li I, don't, uh, I like tie mics or head mics rather than handheld is because I use my hands a lot. And so if I do that, <laughs> so, um, but this morning, um, I'm going to be speaking just really very, um, in, the, in the next few minutes, from Genesis 26, uh, verse 12. And um, really, this, this came out of a conversation that I had had with John. Um, for a number of months now, it seems like I've been just slowly working through Genesis, um, so a chapter at a time, and sometimes I'll spend a couple of days on a chapter, and alongside it I'll read a, read a commentary or a, a, a survey of the Old Testament just to put some stuff into context. I, I like that sort of stuff. You might not, but I like reading about what I'm reading about. And so um, I, there were just a couple of things that stood out to me from uh, this, uh, this particular passage. And I, I was ch chatting with John. And I said, uh, this, is, you know, this is what I've seen this morning. And he was like, oh, do you want to share that in the new year? I'm like, hey, all right, okay. But really, it's, it's, a, it's a sense of just a few, um, it's a few thoughts, a few words, really. Andy, can I switch over now? Should we try it? Yeah. Is that, oh, oh, there we go. I do know that when I use both hands, I speak longer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, shall we read it together? Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 to 22. Isaac sowed seed in that land, and in that year he reaped a hundred times what was sown. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and kept, kept getting richer until he was very wealthy. He had flocks of sheep, herds of cattle, and many slaves, and the Philistines were envious of him. The Philistines stopped up all the wells that his father Abraham had dug in the days of his father Abraham, filling them with dirt. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Leave us, for you are too powerful for us. So Isaac left there, camped in, Gera, in the Gera Valley, and lived there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the days of his father Abraham, and the Philistines, uh, that the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham after Abraham died. He gave them the same names his father had given them. Then Isaac's servant dug in the valley and found a well of spring water there. Now this is going to be important. Okay. So he's re-dug the wells that his father had dug, and now he's moved on to dig some more wells. Okay. So this is the first well that he's, his, his, his uh, herdsmen, uh, his servants are, are digging. And he found a well of spring water there. No, I just want you to remember the spring water. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdman, herdsmen and said, the water is ours. So he named the well an Esk because they argued with him. I'm going to move the microphone down a little bit. Uh, when they, when they dug another, uh, then they dug another well and quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. He moved from there and dug another, and they did not quarrel over it. He named it Rehoboth and said, now, uh, For now the Lord has made space for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. Um, we don't, we, actually, outside of this chapter, we don't know a huge amount about, about Isaac. He's, one commentator said that he's overshadowed by his father and his two sons. He, he's almost like he's sandwiched between the two. The great patriarch Abraham, who'd gone into the land, dug some wells, grew great wealth, and, uh, and he, so he's his father's son. 
He is then, uh, on the other side of this, he's got the two boys who are just a bit of a nightmare for them, which isn't helped because Isaac and Rebecca show favoritism to Esau and Jacob, and it's just carnage. Anybody else experience a family like that? <laughs> Messy. So we can't, read, we can't read the narratives of the Old Testament and think, oh, wasn't it all delightful and nice? The families were an absolute mess. But here we have Isaac, sandwiched between the great patriarch Abraham and all that is to come. And here in Genesis 26, we get this, we get this picture of, of a man who is, um, some would say he's really timid. Others would maybe say that he's a peacemaker. Actually, the, the, the text doesn't really make it too clear. But one thing we know is that actually he, he, he didn't often confront the same way that his father did. But he was his father's son. Because he actually repeated some of the same mistakes of his father. But he also experienced some of the great blessings of his father. And so we find him here in this, in this land um, with a, a probably a descendant of Abimelech who Abraham had had a previous um, in, encounters with. And he's, he's growing in uh, wealth, he's growing in stature, his, his cattle is multiplying, his, uh, he's just, he is exceeding the wealth of his father. So we get this picture, here is this relatively, I guess, quiet and gentle, mild-mannered guy who is exceeding in wealth. And just, I find verse 12, verse 12 fascinating, you know, it's a really dangerous thing to read over the text just before you get up to preach again because sometimes you just spot things that you didn't spot in the first instance. I don't know what any of you or the preachers have found that. But it says, Isaac sowed seed in the land and in that year he reaped a hundred times what he was sown. It was like this, this was in, like he'd, he'd sown the seed and in that very same year reaped a harvest a hundred times that which would have been expected. God, God's blessing and favor and provision. It, he even says it, doesn't it? The Lord blessed him and he became rich and kept getting richer until he was very wealthy. He had flocks of sheep, herds of cattle and many slaves. And the Philistines were, and see, the Philistines were envious. The people of the land were, were jealous of what was happening with Isaac. Now the thing is, when you and I start to step out into new areas and God blesses us, and God brings us into a land where actually we, we reap stuff that we've only just sown or we reap abundantly over and above that which we even expected. It can cause some envy. You see, the thing is, we can either allow the envy to stop us inheriting what God has given or we can step out into new areas. You see, I think maybe Isaac's character helped him in this respect because he didn't start a war with Abimelech or the Philistines. He just said, I can, he just listened. And he moved out. Now, there was actually famine in, in the land at the time and there was a temptation that he could have gone back to Egypt, but the Lord had said, no, don't go to Egypt. Stay in the land. So he stayed. But he moves within the boundary area of Gerah to a, just to a different part. And so Isaac left there, camped in Gerah Valley, and lived there. Isaac opened the wells that he dug in the days of his father Abraham and the Phil that, uh, that the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. Okay, so there was a previous agreement between Abimelech the first and Abraham. 
that the wells that he dug, Abraham had fought for and said, look, these are, these are ours, let's come to an agreement. He kept them. After Abraham died, first I've moved in. Let's, let's try and quash what God's doing here. So they cap the, 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 the wells. Isaac moves into the same area that his father had previously been in. He reopens the wells. What does a well represent? A source of life. Like that, how are they going to? How else are they going to provide for the, the the cattle and the life that, and the blessing that God has brought them into? Well, let's reopen these wells. You see, the thing is, this is the thing of the past. This represents for me the, the stuff that used to be. Now, there is some stuff from our past that we might need to redig because it's about honouring what was what was before. I think Isaac actually shows some honour to his father Abraham, in opening up the wells, re-establishing the love, the life source, and, um, and, 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 and then uh, he, yeah, so he, he uses that as, as a means of providing uh, sustenance to the cattle. But he also doesn't just say, oh, this is my lot. So my, the, my, that of my father is, is the lot that I have. Interestingly, it says that he... Um, he, his servants dug in the valley and found a well of spring water there. So he wasn't, he wasn't just going to say, well, that's my history and that's my life, that's all that I've got. He, he comes into a new place, a new place of provision and a new place of blessing, a new place of, of, of life, spring water. Spring water was, re- was really important because it wasn't just about the, a, a stagnant pool of water, it was flowing water, it was life-filled water, it was good pure water. Now, the herdsmen, do you see a little bit of history repeated in itself in this passage? So the same issues that Abraham had had, Isaac is now experiencing. What begins to happen as he's stepping into a new area, a new well, a new season of life, the herdsmen that are part of the land, that not, that then they're saying, they begin to quarrel and argue over these. So Isaac names the, the first well dispute. So the Hebrew word, um, yes, uh, es, well, I can never pronounce these Hebrew names. Um, the, first, the first Hebrew well that he dug, he named, named it dispute. The second well that he dug, which also created conflict, he named opposition. So the thing is, like when you start to step into new areas of life and ministry and blessing and that which God has called you into, it isn't going to be unusual that we're going to face some opposition and some dispute. Because actually when we start to move in what God has called us into, we will face some opposition. Because actually, just like the, the, the Philistines covered the, the wells of, the, of provision, the enemy wants to cover the wells of our provision and our life source to stop us in, 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 in receiving all that God has. Now, um, this was the thing that um, really grabbed me, is that how many of us camp at the wells of dispute and the wells of op- opposition and never, never then move into the well of an open space? Because the third well that Isaac and his men dug he names uh, Rehoboth, which means open space. The Lord has brought me into an open space. And, and this was the thing that I really sensed 
uh, that the Lord wanted to say this morning. And so all of that other stuff is just to fill out some time. <laughs> Preacher. Thanks a little bit of honesty. Because otherwise this really would have been the world's shortest sermon. But I get a real sense that actually for us as we step into a new year, a new decade, some of you have faced opposition. Some of you have faced disputes. Some of you are maybe have camped at a well of disappointment, discouragement, despondency. You can name your well. And it might be different to the names of the well found in Scripture. But the Lord had brought you into a place, and in coming into that place, you have felt like there's this wall of opposition that you say, where has this come from? But let me say that actually when you begin to move into the new spaces, you will face that opposition. But it doesn't mean to say that you have to camp there. And it doesn't mean to say that that is your lot. And it doesn't mean to say that that is all that God has for you. Because there comes a point when you've got to move on into the well of open space. And you can only get to the well of open space by going through the wells of uh, past and digging the wells of opposition and dispute. Because actually in those moments, your character is formed and your faith is shaped. And you listen and walk with obedience in that which God has, has calling you into. See, Isaac, Isaac was a man who was, above everything, you know, he was sought to be obedient to what the Lord asked. And, and actually, this whole episode brought him into a new place in God. And just if you read on a few verses, he builds an altar and he says, surely this, you know, he worships God afresh and anew because of revelation. And so actually, in the moments of well, the well of dispute, the well of, disorient, um, well of opposition, maybe God's doing something new in you to lead you into a place of, to the well of open space. Now this well, streams of living water, life source. Who is this well? What is the open space that we're invited into? Because actually this is not the open space that you, you can then, we can just simply do what we please, actually. Because the greatest liberty that we have is coming into the open, open space that is Jesus, who is the well of life, who is the one who is the narrow way. So this actually whole idea of open space and narrow way is the great paradox of the gospel and the good news is that we are in Christ Jesus brought into a, uh, into a place of open space. Now, anybody drive the M4? And the, uh, and the, sorry, the M4 and M4, M40? Yeah, anybody drive the M4 down to, towards? Yeah, okay. Now, there's a, there's a place, isn't there, on the M40 that you come up and you come around the corner and you, then you see the big plains. I think it's around Prince's Risborough. And you just open up into an open space. It's like, it's like that, actually. Because the, 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 the way that we follow and walk into the open space is a narrow way. It's not an open way. It's about being anchored in Jesus, who is the life source. And so as we walk with Jesus, you see... Again, and I was wrestling with these songs that we've seen this morning because it's like his relentless love pursues us and yet James says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you it's like this great paradox of the gospel it's like it's all on him and it's all on us it's like let's meet in the middle it's no wonder theologians talk about this great gospel as some kind of dance like you know I, I'm no dancer but I just love the movement of dance and it's, it's like this, this dance between us and the Lord it, inviting us to partner with him and walk with him and journey with him into this open space which is found in him. 
He is the great deliverer. He's the great deliverer. He's the one who leads us into places of, of absolute freedom in him. Again, it's, it's not this freedom just to go, woohoo, we do what we like. But it's this freedom to know him, to walk with him, love him, be obedient with him. Now, well, did this, does this mean that we'll never face opposition again? Actually, we will. Let me read. Let me read Romans. Romans 5 in the message to you. This is just... I've never read this in the, in the message before until this morning. It's just beautiful. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted us uh, to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him, we have it all together with God because of, of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same time, at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us. This great dance. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory standing tall and shouting praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praises even when we're hemmed in with troubles. You see, this being brought out into the open space doesn't mean to say that we're never going to face some more dispute, but what it does mean is that we're anchored in Jesus, the well and source of life, so that when all hell breaks out around us, our life source isn't dependent upon the things out there, but dependent upon the well that is, in, is deep within us and out of the innermost parts. Through faith and trust in Christ flow wells of living water. Read John 7. John 7, I think it's 35 to 39. Just read what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. Believe in him. Trust in him. And out of, out of that belief and faith will flow streams of living water. You see, I have this wrestle internally and externally and within the, the, the faith journey is that we are called to experience the freedom that he has and yet sometimes we feel so contained and sometimes we help us because we stay camped in a circumstance that actually God is calling you to move on from. Sometimes we fight against those things, whether it's people or circumstances or situations, and do you know what? Maybe, maybe just like Isaac, you're not called to fight them. You may be just called to leave them. And sometimes we're so quick to take the offensive that maybe the thing to do is to move as the Lord leads and move away from the conflict into open space. And in that open space, this is what it says, and can Isaac just acknowledge the favour and the grace of God in all of this? For now the Lord has made space for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. Now the Lord has made space for us. So I don't know what it is that you've, um, you've faced over the last year. I do know some of it. I don't know most of it. But nor do you know most of the stuff that I've had to face or deal with. You don't know the disputes or the opposition. Not that there's been much. But you don't know those things, whether externally or internally. 
But the thing is, today we can make a choice. We can either say, well, I'm going to camp in here because this is my lot. Or, Lord, may this be a decade, may this be a year, may this be a moment where we choose to move. Not, 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 not run away from confrontation, but actually sometimes we just need to leave things be and make a move into what God has called us into and dig a new well. And in that new well, find the open space. Find the grace to explore the, 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 the plain, the landscape, the grace of God that abounds as he draws near to as he pursues you and you draw near to him and begin the dance of grace, resting in his faithfulness. Why? Because actually I think above everything he wants us to be fruitful. And I, I, I fundamentally believe that when we walk into the place of open space, when we live in, in the fullness of who Jesus is, in his grace, he leads us into fruitfulness. Because it isn't on us, it's on him. The Lord has made me fruitful in this place. And so, I, I, I yeah, it was really, I, you know, that's all I've got to say. Actually other than to say that maybe this morning you, um, maybe you need to make a decision. Step on the crest of a new decade. Maybe you need to make a choice. Hey Lord, I'm, I'm leaving that behind. Whatever your well is, whatever that might have been for you, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to leave that behind. And I, I want to position myself and posture my heart to walk into the new open space of your grace and your mercy for whatever might come, but that I might be fruitful wherever you've planted. Now the thing about Isaac, he was fruitful where the Lord planted him. You see, we can complain and grumble, Lord, I'm not planted there, or I'm not planted here, I'm not doing what they, that person does, I'm doing what that person does, or they seem to be more fruitful for me, than me. And, and, and actually all the time what we're doing is we're camping at the wells where there is no fruitfulness. Psalm 1. If you have, uh, this afternoon read Psalm 1. It's about being planted by the stream, allowing your roots to go deep, allowing to draw from the life source, and in its season, the tree bears fruit. So not every season of your life are going to be like branches and fruit flowing. But it doesn't, it's not about necessarily what's on the branches, it's about what's underneath. And when the roots are deep underneath and drawing from the life source in your season and in God's appointed time, you will bear fruit, fruit that lasts. I think that's the imitation of, of the Holy Spirit in this year, this decade, for some of you personally, I think that last year was horrendous. Maybe even the last decade was horrendous. Those things that happened that have held you back and contained you, and I, I really get the sense this morning that the Lord wants to lead you into a new season and a new decade of fruitfulness. Fruitfulness like you've never seen before. The unexpected fruitfulness, the, the, the hundredfold. That's not, a normal, that's not a normal harvest. But actually, could, could we dare to believe that in this next season that God wants to lead, lead, lead us into the, a harvest of abundance? Be ready for the opposition, but let's set our course to walk into the open space.
So can I pray? And we're going to take communion. Unless, I don't know whether you want to lead in, John. But we're going to take communion in a moment. Um, Lord, I'm thankful that you can take the ramblings and the random thoughts, the unpolished sermon, and you can use the very bones and flesh of what has been to accomplish that which you want to accomplish this morning in the life of your people. So Lord, I, I ask that as we stand on the crest of a new, not only a new year, but a new decade, and all the possibilities would you help us to that whether it's the well of disappointment the well of disputes the well of opposition the well of discouragement would you help us to leave those things behind and step into the open space that you've invited us into the open space Jesus which is yours the abundance of your grace truth of who you are, the life of Christ flowing in us and through us, so that we might not, not uh, so that we might know the freedom, Jesus, and liberty to walk with you wholeheartedly, unreservedly, for the glory of your name's sake, and the extension of your kingdom. For those of you who have felt contained, May the Lord lead you into in, 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 this, in this year into new seasons of fruitfulness as you make a choice to leave behind that which was, was previously and step into a new area of relationship with him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.